I'm joined by Sarah Bogdan, Manager of Sustainability and Environmental Social Governance at JetBlue. Thank you so much for joining me, Sarah. Thank you. Thank you, Daniel. And thank you to all of your listeners. Oh, my pleasure. Our pleasure. And where are you taking this call from? Sure. So I am in New York City currently. I am at JetBlue's uh, corporate office, what we call support centers, since we exist to support the operation. Um, and I'm actually currently in a classroom. Um, it was a, an available conference room I could book <laughs> for nice. the conversation. Um, but it's pretty neat. We have a unique office in that we have you know, operations running here. And we also have several classrooms for training, et cetera. Yeah, that's, that's, I think it's a cool place to be. It's um, a space for learning. Um, and so I was absolutely thrilled to see that JetBlue uh, took the amazing step to be the first carbon neutral U.S. airline. And it's amazing because like you're working on doing it pretty much now. Right? It's not like you're setting it as a goal for like three years from now or anything. It's right. for 2020. And right now, time of recording, we're in the end of February of 2020. And you're basically saying, let's, we're, we're doing this like right now. Um, so that, I mean, that's, that's amazing. It, it, I can only imagine that there's probably a lot of pressure to get started and to start meeting all those deadlines, or is it is pretty much all the groundwork already there and you're just sort of like, here we go. Yeah, so, so, so thank you for recognizing that. To give a little background uh, for those who are less familiar. So in actually in the very beginning of January, so right when we got back from the holidays, yeah. um, we announced that we're the first US airline to have carbon neutral flying. So essentially um, offsetting all of the emissions associated with our jet fuel for domestic flights. Um, I will talk more about this at length. Also, I'll just say that there's a lot of other efforts in place to reduce the emissions in the first place. We certainly don't see offsetting as the final solution for everything. Um, but ultimately, uh, you, you know, it, it, it was a really exciting um, project to work on, and it came together actually quite quickly. Yeah. So essentially, um, we kind of got the directive from our leadership at the end of 2019 and it was, it was really exciting. It truly did come from our CEO and the rest of the leadership team who said, we see the value in this. We know that our customers, our shareholders, our own crew members are expecting us to take real action. So let's do it. So it took us a few weeks to really work with the expert nonprofits and put together the deal. Um, we made the announcement in January. We're actually starting to, the offsets will start in July. Um, and we wanted basically a few months just to really get all of our you know, marketing and assets uh, in order and take the time to really do everything right. But yep. it has moved very quickly and it's, it's been a, a very exciting time. Yeah, that's, I mean, that's really cool that it comes from the top because I've heard from other companies that oftentimes it's like the sustainability teams like push, 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 push. And eventually they're like, yeah, okay, we should do it. Um, right. but it's, it sounds like it's the exact opposite here. It, it's been both, to be yeah. fair. Um, our team has been very active and we're fortunate to have a great uh, lead partnership with our leadership team that they come to us frequently. And I think it's been many years of us continuing to show the value in sustainability programs. Um, and then simultaneously, I think our CEO from his you know, vantage point sees that this is something that our shareholders are asking for. He sees you know, his colleagues who are uh, CEOs of European airlines where the flight shaming movement has hit so much deeper right. um, and certainly saw this is a really significant risk and something that we need to act upon um, to really, you know, maintain the, the reputation that we have as an industry. I think it's cool. I mean, and I mean, we, we were talking about this when we spoke uh, a few weeks ago, just about how, you know, I, I think 
airplanes are one of those things that's they're so important they connect the world and yep. there's just they they provide so much good um yeah. obviously there is a, a cost to it from an environmental standpoint so i think it's it's important that rather than just saying you know let's stop flying altogether which I mean, I, I guess I guess that's a very idealistic way of looking at it, and maybe there is some truth to it, but you know, it's probably not very realistic. I think it's awesome right. that instead you're looking at ways to actually, um, you know, here's how we can improve the situation, yes. and here's how we can make it better. Yes, thank you. I I completely agree, and that's exactly the way that we refer to it. I think taking a step back, we all understand the value that aviation brings to society, you know, from yeah. co connecting people all over the world to even, I, I came from the climate research space where these climate experts, you know, would certain, would fly to these global meetings and make a lot of progress. Um, and of course, also to, you know, building a global economy. It's so important. People want to travel. Um, at the same time, there's this unintended consequence that is mm -hmm. the emissions and nobody, including us, wants that. And so, you know, we consider it our responsibility to take action to really address that. Um, I'm happy to speak to, you know, our, our high level strategy. Um, yeah, please. If you're I, ready I for it. I'm absolutely yeah. ready. I can't wait to jump in actually. Okay, good, good, good. So it's funny because we've been recently, we keep revising our strategy. Um, and so this is hot off the press, nice. <laughs> um, but you know, reflective of how we've been thinking of it over the last few years. So number one um, is reduce where we can. I mean, that's, that's the smartest way to avoid, to reduce emissions is to avoid them in the first place. And right. that's also been step one for many airlines. We get it obviously from a financial perspective. Um, you know, we spend $2 billion a year on fuel. If we can improve the fuel efficiency of our fleet by, you know, 1%, that's a really real amount. So the 2 billion, just, just to clarify, jet fuel. for JetBlue or yeah. that's the eight. Wow. Yeah. Two yeah. billion dollars per year yeah. jet fuel. Yeah, yeah, and I by no means think we're a small airline. Um, but if you look at some of the spend of the, the bigger airlines, it's it's pretty shocking. It's it's um, either the first or the second biggest cost, depending on the price of fuel at the time. Kind of um, uh, goes back and forth between that and yeah. labor, but it's a lot of money. Wow. <laughs> Yeah. And, and just to quickly, I, I'm happy to come back to it, but before I lose my train of thought for the um, high level strategy. Yeah. So, so reduce where we can, number one. Um, we're doing that. I, I hope I can remember to tell you about our many new fuel efficient aircraft that are coming in and our fuel management program that we have. Um, step two after that is offset emissions where we can't. At the end of the day, Airplanes now rely on liquid fuel. Mm -hmm. I would love to hop in an electric aircraft tomorrow. We have no problem with that, um, but it doesn't exist. And we like offsetting because it's the solution that's here today. Yep. So from there, offset the emissions we can't. Um, number three is really build up sustainable aviation fuel. Um, and that um, essentially, so we made an announcement also uh, in tandem with our carbon neutrality announcement mm -hmm. that we would be flying on sustainable aviation fuel out of San Francisco International Airport this year also. It offers up to 80% reduction in emissions. So this is actually, this is also a technology that's here. Yeah. Um, the problem is there's not enough supply for us to just swap over everything like that. So, cause that um, was actually, yeah. just cause that, that was something I was really curious to know is, um, is it could, I mean, could in theory planes run on 100% renewable fuel? Um, I think we're going that direction. 
Um, as of now, we do blend it um, out of an abundance of, of caution. Um, okay. Ultimately, when it's blended, it's then chemically identical to Jet A fuel that we're already flying on. No changes to safety or performance or modifications needed for the engine. Um, so I think we're going that direction. But right now, the percent of the total volume that is the sustainable aviation fuel is so low that blending it ultimately ends up in the same you know, emissions reduction. Got it. Um, and then our last, our, our fourth Sorry, prong here. Sorry, interrupting you. Yeah. No, it's it's good. It's good. Just so I don't forget, um, is essentially you know keeping a pulse on industry changing technologies that are developing. Um, we have a subsidiary of JetBlue called uh, JetBlue Tech Ventures. So it's this cool um, you know venture capital firm in San Francisco that we wow. work very closely with. The people who run it actually came from working at JetBlue, so they know the problems that face um, airlines including in the environmental field. And they go out and they identify um, cool startups or companies that are developing products or services that could change. And then either they invest in them or partner, kind of make that connection with us. Um, and so through that, we have made uh, investments in, in short range electric aircraft. And Speaking so, of which, wow, that's cool. Yeah, it, it do exist. Um, not for, for long haul commercial aircraft, we're really not anywhere near that. Um, but essentially, as our you know, our fourth approach is supporting these technologies, um, having active partnerships because we do think we expect to see that um, sooner rather than later for for short term flying. Wow, that's amazing! So, electric airplanes exist. They do. They do. Um, so the company that we uh, have invested in or partnered with is called Joby Aviation. How do you J O B Y J O B Y. Super cool. They just released um, kind of like a, a video of how the technology works. It's like a uh, vertical takeoff. Oh wow! Uh, not quite my area of expertise. Um, yeah. But if you look into it, I mean, for for the short haul, it makes a lot of sense. When you start going farther then the battery technology isn't is just unfortunately isn't there for us to get you know across the country yeah yet i'm sure, yes. sure yes. yeah but exactly it, and and i say this because it's so important for us to remain engaged we see these technologies emerging um and if we if we don't then you know we might be left behind as the industry changes well first of all so do electric airplanes make any noise or is it like a tesla and it's silent yeah i haven't been in one um i'm gonna assume it's a quieter technology yeah I would imagine so. another benefit yeah it's amazing because i mean noise pollution is a big i mean that's another type of pollution it's not something that Correct. contributes directly to carbon emissions but right yeah, you know, it's some, something I've been thinking about, which I, which never really occurred to me until recently about noise pollution specifically, and this is slightly off topic, but interesting, I think, nonetheless, is that like when a car drives by or an airplane drives by, there's all these animals that live in that area, and they just have to sure. hear that. And it's right. not like they don't hear it. Um, I mean, it's just so noisy. So if, if there's a way to reduce that, and I'm, I'm pretty sure that these new planes, because you were mentioning that there's, uh, you got some really exciting new aircraft coming out. So I've heard the new planes, at least from the inside, they sound a lot quieter. Right, right. Um, I don't remember the exact statistic, but I, so for our new aircraft, um, our NEO for the Airbus 320 family, um, those also have a very significant reduction in noise. And yeah. so this is something that as technology evolves, they get quieter and quieter. Um, we, this has been a long 
standing issue and something that, you know, not just JetBlue, but all airlines have worked to avoid the noise, just like CO2 emissions. It is yeah. not something that we want to exist. You know, we work to, re- to reduce it. Um, and we also, again, not my expertise, but we, I know that we've taken some steps with some retrofits. There's some technologies oh, that wow. you can basically install in the aircraft that help reduce noise considerably. That's cool. That seems like um, a pretty easy fix um, to an otherwise kind of loud problem. Um, <laughs> right. Yeah. Uh, so, okay. So the the carbon offsetting part, because that's what mm-hmm. you, you mentioned. So first of all, reduce where, where we can. So mm-hmm. uh, actually, before we go into carbon offsetting, so reduce where we can. What what does that look like? I mean, what would that actually be and what does that include? Right. So I think it starts with the aircraft that you're flying. Mm-hmm. Um, being So we actually this year, this month, uh, turned 20 years old. Ooh, happy birthday very, to you guys. Very, very exciting. Yes, so we're having February a 2020. Of, yeah, I know. I know. Oh, nice. So. Um, so very exciting, but also makes us um, a younger airline. And so through that, we have a younger fuel efficient fleet. Um, that said, um, you know, aircraft keep getting more and more fuel efficient, mm-hmm. um, as the technology evolves. And so we have made some big announcements, uh, in the past year also around bringing in a lot of new super efficient aircraft. And one of the uh, announcements we made is around our Airbus 220 aircraft. So we're bringing those into the fleet and we're voluntarily basically retiring, um, our Embraer 190 fleet. So that's a hundred seater aircraft. Um, and through this, we expect to achieve a 40%, 40% improvement in fuel economy per seat. So, so and that yeah. 40%, that's before you start looking at any of the um, renewable energy, renewable Correct. fuel. Wow. Just fuel efficiency. Yeah. So it makes a big difference. Um, part of it is that there are more seats on the aircraft, but still um, just as much leg room. It's just, it can accommodate more seats for the same amount of fuel. Huh. And so... Um, you know, the aircraft, I imagine they'll go on to have a new life <laughs> somewhere else. Um, but they, you know, we didn't, I, it, it shows that we were willing to make an investment um, earlier than really we needed to, because we're committed to getting super fit uh, aircraft out there. Um, yeah. Another, the other big change to our fleet is that we're continuing to bring in um, Airbus 321 NEOs. Uh, and so those Bring about a 20% improvement in fuel economy through changes to the cabin technology and engine technology. Things are lighter. Uh, it's just, you know, the technology keeps getting smarter and smarter. And so yeah. as we grow, we're starting to fly to um, London to come visit you. Cool. <laughs> um, yeah, please do. Yeah, uh, next year. So, you know, as we grow, we're always looking at this, the, you know, to bring in the most fuel efficient aircraft that we can. Oh, that's awesome. I was looking at, um, I was looking on your website and, and there was, um, one of the things in terms of the, uh, technological advances, uh, for fuel efficiency. And, and maybe I got this wrong, but I thought it was like these little wing tips that when you look at yeah. the wings, it's that little thing at the very end that kind of curves up almost. Yeah. And it was saying that there's some pretty like impressive fuel efficiency, uh, or, or it saves quite a lot of fuel by adding those in. Yeah. Yeah. They're called, um, sharklets. Through yeah, sharklets, Airbus. exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and then um, other manufacturers call them winglets. Um, but yeah, it's a curved extension to the wing that improves uh, aerodynamic efficiency and so saves uh, a several percent of fuel. So it's, it's pretty considerable. Um, but I guess to, it's a good point. So I, I think to 
better summarize, you know, how to reduce speed in the first place. It's the aircraft number one, as I spoke to. Um, there are changes you can make to the aircraft like that. And then also it's the way in which we fly. Um, and so that yeah. is a whole other category, but basically, you know, using um, smart uh, fleet and flight management systems, um, but that can actually make a really big difference in the fuel burn associated with the travel. An issue that JetBlue gets the pleasure of, of dealing with frequently. Um, so we operate out of a lot of congested airspace. Uh, New York is our, our biggest operation, Boston right behind it. And there's just a lot of aircraft coming in. And I'm sure we've all had the experience of needing to circle because it wasn't yeah. quite our time to land. And I will say from a fuel management perspective, it makes it harder, um, you know, that you, we expect a certain amount of fuel. And then if you have to circle once or twice or even more, it's just continually, you know, needing to burn more fuel to, to do that. So we think um, smart air traffic management is also going to make a really big difference in fuel, in fuel and emissions output. Yeah. That makes sense. I, I remember I was also, I saw that about like um, how much time planes just sit waiting to take off because they're just yeah. burning fuel while they're waiting. So if there's a way to more efficiently and effectively time those takeoff, yeah. it just reduces how much kind of like idle time you're just sitting yeah. waiting to take I, off. I love, I've read some cool studies too. Those at the end of the day will have to be, you know, a, a collaboration among, you know, the airport um, you know, FAA, air traffic control, all the airlines. Um, but what we can do on an individual level, which we all do um, as best we can, is, is single engine taxi. So basically taxiing on the ground with just one engine on. That way you're not using fuel um, for both. Of course, when it's time to take off, we fire up both engines. Right. <laughs> um, and there's some other taxiing, um, you know, approaches we can take to just limit that fuel on the ground. And it's cool too, because it's like, not only is it good for the environment, but, and, and I think you mentioned this earlier, it ends up saving the company yeah. money too, right. which well, I, I guess in theory, you could also pass on to the customer. So, and going back to the, um, to the offsetting part now, so we, we just talked about like, there's so many different ways you can reduce and the areas where you can't reduce, right. um, you offset and offsetting is, is really cool. I think, especially some of the projects that you're working on. So, mm -hmm. um, what, for, first of all, what is offsetting? Yes. Yes. So, uh, uh, short for carbon offsetting, mm. um, essentially it is, um, funding projects that will either remove or avoid emissions, um, elsewhere to compensate for emissions that we're unable, um, to avoid. So uh, I think probably an example that's easy to visualize is, um, you know, planting of trees uh, or helping avoid deforestation. Yeah. Um, we know that'll remove CO2 from the atmosphere. And the way it, it actually works for them going through this process of sourcing projects now, and it's, it's been a really fun exercise to learn about all these projects around the world. So yeah, fun, it feels yeah. pretty cool. Um, so essentially a developer several years ago will say, okay, I see a town um, let's give an example in, in China and they need to provide more energy and they're going to build a coal plant. Um, what I'm going to do is I'm going to take the money. I'm, I'm going to fund us developing a wind or a solar plant, again, as an example, um, that will instead provide this renewable energy. And so we know exactly the emissions that we'll avoid. And then they build the project and then they 
track everything. It is third party um, certified and audited. People see that the actual the emission savings are actually happening. And once they do that, then they can they get a basically a certificate for every metric ton that they have proven to avoid, and they can sell it on a carbon market. So then it's an open market. Um, customers like Chef Wu or you or I could go on and you know through partners purchase offsets. So basically, these the projects that we're supporting have have already occurred. They're verified, audited, and by funding them, then the developer can take you know this this money and then go and do future projects. So it's it's an interesting it's an interesting cycle, but it um, it really does result in projects that otherwise would never have happened. That's that's yeah, really cool. It kind of sounds like venture capital almost to a certain degree, yeah. in the sense that you're just like putting money into really great work um, that yeah. ends up being beneficial for the environment. Um, so so one of them is tree planting. Um, then solar was the was another one. Solar's on the list. Yeah. So we have a um, portfolio of projects. Um, we worked with three different partners to make sure we had a variety of projects that we sourced. Um, so yeah, so so um, forestry projects, landfill gas capture, wind and solar are the majority of of the projects, and they're in places all around the globe. That's cool. Landfill yeah. gas capture is an interesting one. I don't think yeah many people know much. I mean, I certainly don't know much about it. So basically, it's like landfills emit methane. Yep. And you you capture the the methane. Correct. And then what do you do with it? Um, my understanding is it's used uh, as an energy source. Oh, so okay. it is deemed a, a renewable energy source. So you're, you're capturing it and then also converting it for useful energy. That's cool. Can you use any of that for the planes? <laughs> Maybe one day. That would be um, super circular. Right. It would be a really great story. <laughs> yeah, there, there's other things that JetBlue is doing um, in terms of your sustainability, which I think is really cool. So... Um, you have your planes, which are flying, they're becoming more efficient, um, but also you have all of these ground support vehicles yeah. that are zooming around, they're all over the place, and they make basically everything run. Yep. Um, and, and, and you have turned, you're turning them going electric. Correct. So that's a big jump, I think. Thank you, thank you. Yeah, I mean, I think, you know, naturally, when we think about the emissions associated with air travel, we think of the airplanes. But as you pointed out, there are also we also have a lot of little vehicles driving yeah. all around the airport. And airports are look like such busy places. Little things just going in all different directions constantly. So much happening. They're it, always like, how amazing. do they know where to go? <laughs> <laughs> they have. A, it's very well coordinated, and they are responsible for most of the fuel use. So traditionally, those are made of gasoline and diesel. Um, but as you mentioned, we are converting them to electric. And this is like a beautiful sustainability story in that it is good for the environment um, and you know local air quality, good for our crew members. They vastly prefer them. They love them. Um, and then also good for business. Uh, the operating costs are lower than the gasoline and diesel when supplied uh -huh. by electric. And we've also been fortunate to receive some environmental grants to help um, fund the infrastructure because it is a pretty big investment. So it's, it's, a, it's a great project. Um, so at JFK, we just rolled out the largest electric fleet there. We just added 118 
vehicles. Wow. Super cool. Yeah. All of our bag tugs and belt loaders are electric. Oh, that's awesome. Yep. And then we're doing the same in Boston now. So there's through that also have installed a lot of charging stations. Mm. So hopefully if you're flying on JetBlue, either out of uh, T5 or Terminal 5 at JFK or Terminal C um, at Boston, then you can look outside and you'll see these like charging boxes and these really cool zippy vehicles. Oh, that's cool. That's super cool. I think that's, I think that's a great way to, what I like about it is that it's, it's a, it's, it's a pro- progress. It's like a progression. Yeah. You're not just like going in and just saying, uh, okay, we need to turn everything electric. I don't, it's just such a big thing. It's yeah. not, it's not plausible. It's just too much. So, but instead you're just like, you know, we'll just start with one airport at a time and one, almost like one or two types of vehicles at a time. Yep. And then once we successfully do that, let's just copy it and go somewhere else. And you yep. just kind of like do that over and over and over again. And you're constantly improving it and yeah, better that is, and better. Thank you. Thank you. Um, that's the strategy. Unfortunately, some of our vehicles aren't, they, some of the ground vehicles don't exist in electric. Um, okay. So it's the strategy is that let's start with the most used ones. These are the ones that are responsible for the majority of the emissions anyway. Yeah. Let's convert those. Let's get that all sorted. We're, we're used to plugging things in now because that's a change. Yeah, exactly. And then once we're c- pretty comfortable with that, then it's time to start bringing in some other types of vehicles. And hopefully in those next few years, the technology will continue to improve, mm-hmm. which we expect it to for them. Yeah, I think it's, I, I think just as, as you were talking, I was just thinking like, um, you're absolutely right. I think most people, myself included, when I think of the airline industry and carbon emissions i'm thinking about the airplanes but these little these little uh vehicles i mean they are cars as well yeah and in a really big airport there's i mean i I'm hundreds maybe even more thousands of them yeah yeah and like that's that's a lot so if you're able to convert those into electric i mean i'm sure there's a lot of pollution just around the airport in general so if you're able to convert some of those vehicles or all of them into electric that reduces the pollution that happens in that local yeah. area yeah it does make a, a really big difference um yeah. i will say that in terms of the aircraft we also have efforts in place to reduce aircraft ground emissions so uh, i don't know if you've noticed this but also most airports um if when you pull up to the gate, one of the first things the crew should do, the ground crew, is get this big cord basically and plug it into the plane. And so they're literally like plugging it in. Yeah. So that way, the idea is if everything goes right, um, that they will no longer be using the jet fuel in the auxiliary power unit um, to power the heating and cooling and the electrical on the in the cabin. So now you literally are just like tapping into the building energy. And so it's actually a common practice. It's oh. it's really cool. So then, you know, then the pilot can turn off the APU, the auxiliary power unit. We can stop running on jet fuel on the ground. And so during the whole turn or while we're waiting, you know, for to turn over the aircraft for the next flight, then you're literally using electricity. So it's, there's, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff That's on the cool. ground. And it comes back to the, the fuel uh, cost savings because like yep. $2 billion. I mean, if you can yeah, reduce that a little bit. Yeah, um, Absolutely. Yeah, that makes a big, big difference. Um, I was reading about composting in okay. JFK's terminal. Yep. And I think that's a really cool thing. Um, and so you have this thing called the T5 farm. That's mm-hmm. on top of that. What what goes on on the T5 farm? Yeah. So 
so this is, we launched the farm a few years ago. It's at JFK. Um, it's uh, headline is it's the world's first blue potato farm at an airport. Um, so exciting, but the story is cool. Um, it, we basically have this open space at the airport and it's actually, you know, right where the drop-off is for customers. And it was this kind of like big concrete space. So um, I can't take credit for it. Ultimately, my, my boss did come up with the idea, but she's like, let's do something cool. Let's, you know, let's use this space to, to grow some produce and blue potatoes. The connection there is because we're famous for our blue chips on board. So hence the blue potatoes. Makes sense. Um, and so we, we built up this farm um, and it's really, it, it looks pretty neat. If you look up pictures, uh, everything really is in milk crates. We partnered uh, with Grow NYC to really help us with that farming bit because that's not my background. <laughs> um, and it, what was interesting is we also went through this exercise um, to understand what's safe to grow at an airport because we there are so many considerations. The last right. thing you want to do is, for example, grow tomatoes that will attract birds to an airport. So we ended up like it was scrutinized, you know, it went through this whole list. Imagine this big meeting with all these important people and we're like, Okay, parsley is good, you know. Um, so it was pretty fun, and so now it's it's a functioning farm. It is um, currently it's winter, so it is closed. Um, but what we do is we have an active farmer who upkeeps the the farm, and um, we open it the farm a few days a week for volunteers. So our own crew members who work at JFK to come in to help us maintain it. They're welcome to take some of the produce home. We're not a certified food producer, so we can't unfortunately sell them. Back. Okay. So I know the, it would be amazing if we could incorporate them into the restaurants, but yeah. we're not quite in that business. So we donate the majority of it. That's cool. So, right, right. It's like thousands of pounds of blue potatoes and um, different herbs every year. That's so cool. Have you had a chance to work on, on the farm too? Oh, yeah. Yeah. It was, it was fun. <laughs> I used to go when we first set up the farm every Friday. And I'd, I'd head out and I'd show people, you know, we were like, we're on like weeding, setting up irrigation systems, harvesting. I'm like, how is this? Never thought I'd be doing this. <laughs> that is so cool. Yeah. <laughs> what a right. fun way to be sustainable. <laughs> yeah. Thank you. Thank you. Um, and you mentioned our composting program. Oh, yeah. Um, that is distinct um, from, the, from the farm. But essentially, that's a partnership with the Port Authority Waste. I'm sure I can talk a lot about our recycling program on board, um, but is often something that we have to partner with the airport authorities who typically actually like run the waste management leaving an airport. So for JFK, that's the Port Authority of New York and New Jersey. Okay. So they've been a great partner, um, but we have basically through this program been composting um, coffee grinds and different um, food scraps um, from some of our vendors in in the terminal. So it's, it's the restaurants that are actually inside the, the terminal. Yep. 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 And then it gets picked up uh, and goes out to a, a farm in upstate New York. It's pretty cool. Uh, that's cool. Do you, are, are you keeping track of, of the emissions being saved through all these practices? I mean, like farming does, you know, remove some carbon from the atmosphere and composting prevents its yeah. landfill diversions. Is that being calculated and accounted for? You know, um, I will say when we ish made these announcements, we did, I think we calculated what the annual savings we expect them to be. Yeah. But where we are now, uh, ultimately jet fuel is 
0.5 or so percent of our emissions. Got it. So we really try to stay focused on that. That's that's our core impact. That's where we can make the biggest difference. Yeah. And so that's typically where we focus. Makes sense. Um, and hence, renewable jet fuel is a big Correct. part of that. And um, actually, I, I don't think we, we really went into renewable jet fuel now that I'm thinking about it. So renewable jet fuel. Um, mm-hmm. And I do want to talk about recycling because that I'm, I'm, I am really interested in that as, as well. But the renewable jet fuel thing is re- renewable to me sounds like plants maybe um, mm-hmm. or some way that, you know, when you use it, it comes back basically. Yeah. So where, yeah. what, I mean, what is renewable jet fuel? Great question. Um, so it's exactly that. It's the feedstock is is renewable. It's not a fossil fuel that's going to take millions of years, essentially. And what, um, to, sorry, what is feedstock? What it's what it's made of. Okay. Essentially. So, oh, I see. So that's the stuff that you're putting into the process to make the jet fuel. Precisely. Got it. Yep. So it's renewable. It's on our lifetime. You know, we can generate more of it. Mm-hmm. Um. So one thing that's also really important is that it is non-food competitive. Um, so that is when we, we actually, we, we've changed the name of it as an industry um, to now sustainable aviation fuel. The sustainable, the sustainable part encompasses the emissions, but also um, its production and that it doesn't compete with, with food sources. This is not corn. Um, so essentially what we have, we've announced that starting this year, we'll be flying on sustainable aviation fuel out of SFO. As I said, um, that feedstock is um, animal waste residue, essentially. Um, yep, so byproduct from the uh, manufacturing process. So it's all stuff that would not is not going to compete with with food sources. Not at all. <laughs> I mean, yeah, right, right, right. <laughs> um, and um, some other common ones that form uh, jet fuel are used cooking oil, uh, algae. You'll see different feedstocks from different airlines. Wow, and so, but you, so the feedstock that you're focusing on is primarily this uh, animal byproduct. Yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, is is it is it more expensive renewable jet fuel, or is it almost comparable in price to just the standard uh, standard? You called it jet A fuel, I think. Yeah, um, traditional jet fuel. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it does depend on every airline. You know, who their partner is, their their contract. Of course, can't speak to all of them. Um, I would say right now it is, it does come at an additional cost. Uh, however, we see this as smart business by partnering early, since there are very few suppliers, then we learn how to use this fuel. We establish a relationship with the partner. And then in the future, um, when we want to ramp this up, we will be at an advantage. Mm -hmm. Uh, we do think that the more airlines, um, you know, invest and partner with these companies, then, as you said, the supply will continue to yeah. increase, and then eventually it'll level out in pricing. Yeah, that's cool. I, I mean, it just makes sense. It's, it's pretty yeah. early, early days for it. I would imagine. Like, um, there's sounds like there's you're still blending, and there's still things to learn. Um, and if if you're competing with other different industries, I mean, like trucking, um, yeah, it seems like there's still there's still time for it to, to, to settle and, and grow. Uh, quite yeah, simply. you're right. Definitely. Um, but I'll also say that it has been around for many years. Hmm. Um, it is, it is still, I would say special that JetBlue made this announcement. Yeah. Most U S airlines have don't regularly fly on biofuel, 
for sustainable aviation fuel. Um, that said, there are there are a lot of airlines worldwide that have done demonstration flights with different feedstocks that basically, you know, they do a few flights to prove that it works, to, to learn how it works. So the technology is here. It's yeah. been here for a while. You'll read some places that, oh, you know, sustainable aviation fuel isn't ready. That, that's not the case. Um, and we airlines really like it. Uh, we just, it's just a matter of supply. Well, that's cool. I mean, it's, it's amazing that you're basically taking a stand and saying we're committing to it and we yeah. will do it. And we're, I mean, you're really leading the way. Um, I think I saw something about Delta recently saying that they mm-hmm. want to do something like that too. But it's like, you know, it's like, it feels very much like, well, since JetBlue did it now, we kind of have to. Um, <laughs> and it's like JetBlue is like paving the way we are the sustainable airline and we will, oops, shaking the screen here, we, we, yeah. will, um, we will show how it's done. We're, we're showing that it's possible. Thank you. I, I appreciate that perspective. Um, we yes, we were first at the, with the neutrality announcement, but ultimately, this is great for the industry. And this yeah. is exactly what we were hoping for, uh, and we hope that all airlines will show the same commitments that uh, Delta and we have. Yeah, I think that's cool. Um, going to recycling because. One thing, um, and I admit I do fly because I live in London. I'm from California, and I miss my parents and my family, so yeah, I do go back. Um, and one thing I noticed on flights is uh, lots of things that can be recycled. Like I get my can of stuff, whatever drink I have. I get plastic bottles sometime. I get plastic cups. Uh, when I get served food, I get there's plastic cutlery. Um, and it's, there's just a lot of plastic. So what happens? Uh, well, let's talk specifically with JetBlue. I mean, what, what do you do with all those things that are being used once they're, once they're done? Great question. It is also a big uh, and challenging part of my job. Um, we at JetBlue are unique. One of our big, um, you know, brand offerings uh, something that we're known for is that we give our customers like a full soda can and even on the super short flights and like, and I, I people nice. always notice like, yeah, thank you. Like, yeah, right. <laughs> They're like, Oh, that's lovely. Like now I have enough to consume throughout my flight. Yeah. Um, and it, it shows that we, we're aware customers might want, you know, more than three sips of soda, um, you know, over the next few hours. 80% so, ice, 20% soda. <laughs> right. Right. Um, but, but of course through that people know that the soda can is a recyclable item. Other things, I, I know that there's a little more confusion of what can be recycled, but we all know that soda cans and plastic bottles are recyclable. Yeah. And that's actually, interestingly, how our sustainability program started at JetBlue. It was maybe 10 or so years ago um, that we were realizing we really needed a full-blown sustainability recycling program mm-hmm. because we were generating all this recyclable waste. But it's clear it's a very complex operation to actually sort things in the air and then it keep them separate on the ground and make sure they get recycled. So yes, I'll break down the process. (laughs) So basically here's how it, um, the the procedure is set up in the air. Um, we are, we are, we collect our bottles and cans and our plastic cups separately. They're in a different colored bag. Mm -hmm. Um, and then we have our trash that goes in a different colored bag. Um, now ideally there, there's, waste carts on a plane Mm -hmm. and we have carts that have little recycling logos they're supposed to be one or two carts per aircraft where then after they're collected they're put in that recycling cart so this is now a cart that is just recyclable different colored bags then the aircraft lands it pulls up to the gate 
Then we have folks who are removing the waste from the aircraft and they are trained to see, ah, I pulled this bag out. It is bottles and cans um, versus this is all trash over here. So they are supposed to keep them separate. And then every domestic airport that we fly to has a recycling container and a trash container. So when all is done right, then the sorted recyclables will end up in that container. And then <laughs> you can see there's a lot of steps in the chain. Yeah, yeah. Um, then there's a business partner who is our waste hauler will come on site. They will take, they will empty it all. Um, and then it goes through the normal procedure of, you know, it gets bring to, brought to a sorting facility and then hopefully ultimately sold um, for, you know, to a partner uh, in the recycling space. But so as you can see, it's, it's a complicated operation yeah, and one that is impossible to do perfectly every time. Uh, for us, it is our policy to recycle um, the bottles and cans on all domestic flights. International, we are simply not allowed to. There are international waste laws. Huh. Yeah. Wow. Okay. I had no idea about international waste law. So you're, you're, you're not allowed to, meaning like you, you just have to throw everything away. And when you get to the other side, you just have to dump it? Yeah. Well, um, for flights arriving into the U.S., uh, it's, it's regulated waste, essentially. It's a, it's a huh. health um, concern. And so they, all the waste for those flights are specially treated. Oh, um, I see. So unfortunately, I'm unable to take those items and recycle them. Um, for flights landing in other um, countries, it is up to the, that country's laws. I guess, yeah. Um, so we're going through that process now for London. We may we might have some opportunity to recycle, but it it, it has to be very carefully done. Um, you know, with health and safety yeah. and being being top of mind, getting special approvals. So, yes. Yeah. The idea of hundreds of flights um, and trash being going yeah. from one side of the country to another side and making sure that all the bags are in the correct spot, going to the correct place. Yeah. You have like so many different people along this chain. Right. And to ensure that it goes smoothly no matter where you land. Yep. That sounds like a logistical headache. Yep. Yep. Um, we unfortunately don't have a huge team and we have about 60 to 70 domestic airports. So oh. each one has a different setup. Each yeah, one sure. has a, you know, a container over here, or over there, or a different business partner, um, a different process. So it, it can be, it, it's, it's certainly a lot of work I'll say, but it, yeah. um, I will say it, it's been a well-functioning program for several years. But um, when you see an airline that does have a, a, successful recycling program i i would say it's, it's impressive and they deserve you know credit for investing in that as a resource yeah i mean it sounds like the amount of time and, and energy that's required in order to actually make it happen is substantial to say the least because what, what you've described right now is not easy or simple to put together there's so many different moving parts literally that have to be accounted for yeah um yeah but it's worth it it, it, it really is like i think you know, we're not in the business of transporting waste. That's not our goal to fly right. <laughs> trash from New York to LA and then dump it there. And it's something that also our, our crew members really are passionate about. Yeah. Like it's something you feel and touch and you don't feel like a responsible company if you're just throwing it all in the trash. Mm. Yeah. I think that, I think, I think it makes sense. Um, there's 
uh, going to something totally different, which I, I thought was really cool, um, was about the, um, you have this eco earnings, um, yeah. which is like a sure thing, which talks about how the cleaner that Caribbean beaches are and like the environment in the Caribbean, specifically, that's where the study was taking place, that the more that people want to pay for flights there. Yeah. And so it's basically like in your in JetBlue's best interest to make sure that the environment where you're flying to is kept clean and pristine and right. trash is being picked up. Um, I think that's, a, that's it, it makes a lot of sense. I, I'm not sure how many, if that's something that is kind of thought about oftentimes, you know, it's like um, that it is important to keep the place clean because it's good for business. Of course. And you hear that a lot, right? Um, being a sustainable company is, you know, it's, it's good for business, Yeah. but ultimately it can be, if you're a company and you just think you keep hearing about impacts from climate change and flooding, it can feel like, of course, that's a problem, but it feels disconnected from my business. Totally. And so the way we have been successful is by linking these environmental risks to our own operations. And so that's where this uh, eco earnings whole concept comes into play, where a third of the places we fly are to these beautiful beachside um, places in the Caribbean and Latin America. Mm-hmm. And if, you know, if the beaches degrade and the corals bleach and the habitat all disappears, people are going to stop traveling there. Yeah. And of course, number one is that's terrible for the state of <laughs> for the community and the habitat and the wildlife. But number two, as a business, that, of course, that impacts us. Yeah. And so it's about internalizing that risk and translating it into a financial cost to us that helps us really understand why this really matters for us to be super involved. I think, I think it's really important and you're absolutely right. I mean, like it is important for the habitat and it is important for the, um, you know, for the people there and for the animals and the wildlife and, and, and all of that side. I think it's really important to remember that, you know, it means that the business does care because I think it's easy to just say, I think it's easy to vilify the business and say, Oh, you know, this company doesn't care at all because they are just going there and like dumping yeah. trash and stuff. But it's not true because it really does right. like directly affect your bottom line. Um, and yeah. it's important to make sure that the e- ecological health of an area is maintained and actually is, is getting better because people you, you want to, I would imagine if I were an airline, I'd want people to go back to those places too. And when, if I were to go back somewhere, I'd want it to see, I'd want it to be better than it was than the, the last time I was there, especially if I'm going to be like, oh, you yeah. have to bring my friends or family. You have to come check this place out. Um, so, right. yeah, I mean, it, I think it, it's really important for the business to, to care a lot. So I agree. Anyway, <laughs> yes. that's, that's my little, uh, <laughs> of course. That's my little rant there. Um, I, I'm conscious of time here. So first of all, thank you so much for, for spending some time with me. Um, one question I, I just love to ask as an inspiration to me and anyone listening, um, what, what do you do? Like, what does yeah. Sarah do on a personal level to be environmentally friendly? Oh, great question. <laughs> well, I help orchestrate one of the most sustainable companies. That's very true. <laughs> no, I'm kidding. Um, so I guess the insight I have is I want people to never underestimate the power of being vocal of the brands that you support every single day. Hmm. I have seen from the inside, like we talked about our big carbon neutrality announcement and our sustainable aviation fuel announcement and all the stuff we're doing. This honestly came from 
a continued request and demand from our customers, from our crew members, investors, the media, like this just kept coming up. And so that's, that's us responding in a smart way. And so I, I think that, you know, if, if somebody were just like literally like open up your like credit card statement and like see where you're spending your money and like, what are they doing? Like, what are the brands doing? What's their impact? Are they transparent about it? Um, are they acting accordingly? And if they're not like, okay, what are some other alternative companies that are out there? Mm-hmm. And even some of like the products, like on a smaller thing, like I live above a Dunkin' Donuts in New York city. And I love that they have this, um, the, the plant-based, you know, like sausage alternative breakfast yeah. sandwich. So I'm like, I'm going to buy that because I want you guys to know that people care and people like that. Show the support, um, yeah. Right. Like I also, um, Levi's has that they've focused a lot in sustainability around like water uh, consumption because that's mm. their biggest impact. They have these cool jeans, like the waterless jeans. So I buy those, you know, it, it, it really does matter. Um, I can also tell you, you write into, you know, the JetBlue website or you contact our leadership team. Like we see that. And when it's about sustainability, it gets to us and it matters. These things add up. Yeah. So I guess my, my whole impassioned speech here is for people to really continue to voice what they care about to brands because we do respond. You know, we, we want people to continue to use our services and to like us as a company. And if that's what we're hearing is important, then we'll respond. If we don't hear it from anyone, then maybe we won't. I think that's a wonderful reminder because, you know, sitting here like at your house when you're just at home and you're just like, kind of feeling, uh, you know, I want to do something, but I don't know really what to do. And there's, you turn on the news and there's like all this doom and gloom about how awful the environment is. Yeah. Uh, you just feel like, well, sending an email, that doesn't really do anything. That's like, I should go do something more active. But actually what you're saying is yeah. that might be some of like one of the most effective things you can do because one email from you and, you know, 500 other people could yeah. in fact make an entire company change their the way that they're they're working and their practices 100 absolutely that's so cool it i think it's i think it really is important for individuals to remember that they actually like i as one person i have a, quite a lot of power especially yeah. as a consumer because yeah. i have money and that's why <laughs> that's why companies are are in business is to provide a service to earn money and so my opinions matter yeah um, so that's, that's yeah, I mean, to selfishly bring it back to JetBlue, this felt like a, a natural move for us. Yeah. We, we we were founded with this mission to inspire humanity and basically to anticipate, <laughs> I'm sorry, to, to anticipate our customers' needs and to provide that to them. Um, and so through that, you know, we were kind of famous for the, every, all of the seats have the TVs in front of them. Um, we have the most leg room and it's, this is what customers want. And the same thing as we were hearing, okay, our customers expect us to be really cool environmental stewards. And yeah. so, you know, they, w- they want to make sure that they're being responsible with their own impact when they're traveling on us. And so we're like, fantastic. This is a perfect extension of that philosophy. Let's provide what our customers want. That's perfect. I mean, that, that, yeah, I think that's a really great, great way to summarize it. Um, well, cool, Sarah, thank you so much for your time. This was really awesome to talk to you. Where can, where can we learn more about um, JetBlue um, and the work that you're doing uh, for the people who are interested in getting updates about awesome new sustainability projects you're working on? Where can, where, what are all the resources? Great. 
Um, so we have jetblue.com slash sustainability is mm-hmm. our program page. You can read all about the different reports we've released, um, other programs we didn't have a chance to cover. Um, I also say if you go to the JetBlue press releases section, um, you the, the most recent, our, our press release about our carbon neutrality announcement has a lot of information about the projects and the partners that we're working with. So cool. I think it's a fascinating read. Um, and we also have on our website, our report. So we issue an annual report, um, which really shows like basically our performance from an environmental perspective, mm-hmm. key metrics and data that show how we're improving every year. Um, so I think those are the main avenues you can learn more. Yeah, I think that's cool. I, I was actually, as I was doing the research for for our call, I was looking at some of the um, at some of those reports, and sometimes they're really difficult to read. The ones on JetBlue's website I actually found to be much easier to digest like you kind of like you kind of skim through it and actually pick up a lot and it's very good brilliant branding team yeah um so i do recommend reading it for anyone who's um who's interested but yeah Yeah. on that note yeah i'll say also um for anyone who who has um any brilliant ideas or burning questions for me or my team um sustainability at jetblue.com is a inbox that i can that i access that's so cool yeah i hadn't goes back to the empowering the individual. So just a simple email can make yeah, a big difference. Yeah. Awesome. Well, thank Sarah. you, Daniel. Yeah, thank you thank so you. much. Great speaking with you. Thank you to everyone for your time and for your interest and fly JetBlue. <laughs> thank you very much. Take care. Thank you very much for listening to this episode. Hope you enjoyed it. If you want to learn more about JetBlue's uh, sustainable initiatives, you can check it out at jetblue.com forward slash sustainability. Uh, And they're all over social media, Facebook, Twitter, Instagram. It's just at JetBlue. And you can check out all of their latest updates there. If you enjoyed the episode, give us a five-star rating and share it with your friends. Let people know about the great work that is happening in the airline space to reduce our carbon impact um, and the environmental impact. Also, um, tag us at sustainabilitymatters.today and please subscribe to the podcast. You can subscribe on any podcast listening platform of your choice. And if you're watching this on YouTube, please subscribe down below. Thank you so much and talk to you soon.